0: Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 3, Episode 6, for Saturday the 13th of February 2021. Coming up this week, I'll let you know how my PR call went and what happens next with the promotional campaign. It's back to wide listings with my sci-fi, I'll talk you through the process and what's been involved this week, and the edit of my first non-fiction book of the year is just back from Julie Stock, so I'm now getting launch ready for March. First let's start with this week's writing update and as I teased just a moment or two ago I've got the proofread back from my author platform book. This is another title that I keep forgetting it's author platform blueprint if memory serves me correctly I've got the cover to remind me when it comes to actually launching the thing I kept writing the wrong title the other day I just I never get these titles right do I anyhow um, Julie has gone through that she sent me back the word document I've gone through Julie Stock's suggestions Um, I always get two versions so um, both Julies who do my editing usually send me two versions one is the the one that has every single change on it and the other is the one that accepts those changes and just basically leaves me with a list of things that I've got to consider and to be honest with you I 've always been even when I was managing people at the BBC. My view is you know I pay you because I trust you to do a good job, so I ain't going to look over every dot and comma. I always just look over the the big changes because uh, you know that's what requires my attention that 's what's been flagged up to me so I went through those. I then took the Word document with the changes committed in it. I imported it into Vellum. And the great thing with Vellum is what I did is um, I duplicated the Vellum file for one of my existing non-fiction books. This is why I love Vellum so much. I then took the content out of that Vellum file. I imported the Word file in that Julia had sent me, the corrected Word file, the proofread Word file. And I just pulled that into Vellum. And then instantly I got a book that I could, if I if I press generate to generate the files, it would pretty well be ready to go. I just had to split the chapters off. And what I've got to do now is just go through it with a fine tooth comb, uh, really just for formatting. I wanted to make sure that the formatting is consistent across my four non-fiction books. Now, the three non-fiction books that I did last year, I did one after the other, so I was consistent with formatting. I know that, for instance, when I've done bulleted lists, I don't think I did bulleted lists in the book. I think I did it in a slightly different way. So I've just got to go through those last formatting things, and I just need to make sure that Vellum has transferred my headlines and subheadlines correctly so that the index is created uh, properly. Uh, but you know, that that book has felt fairly. Uh, painless it's it's almost ready to go it'll probably take me just a day or two of light work to have that ready to go but it's not due until the 23rd of March so having created that vellum file pulled in the book cover I do need to actually let Sean Stevens at Flintlock Covers I do need to work out the paperback version of it I need to know what the page count is going to be because what Sean will need from me before he gives me the paperback cover is Uh, the type of paper that I'm using, I always use the the, the cream color of paper and he'll need to know the pages the number of pages so that he can calculate the spine width so I will need to do that either this weekend or next week I need to do it ASAP because then I at the same time as getting the ebook ready I can get the paperback ready and they can both launch on the same day but the deadline date for that is it needs to launch on March the 23rd so you have to have it ready about six days beforehand so it'll be the th- it's um, that's the Tuesday it'll need to be ready on the friday beforehand i think so plenty of time with that i mean absolutely no rush to get the non-fiction book done i did some category tweaks around my 12 pack of thrillers this week now i when i was doing research last time i told you last week that i've just bought the latest calytics report for my suspense thriller and crime i think it is and uh, the uh, alex newton has just released the latest one so i went through that in the past week with the 12 pack I'd already done that when I launched it but I had used two categories that I wasn't really happy with they were and the book was ranking very well in those categories but I just wasn't um, they weren't quite the right category now you you may know how annoying it is when you're trying to rank in a category and the 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 romance or erotica writers have got there so if you go into thrillers any virtually any category you go in and actually apple's worse than this in the free books if you go into any category there's always the guys with the shirts off um, listed in thrillers horror whatever it is they all they seem to pop out everywhere those guys without the shirts they must have good central heating is all i can say and so you're always, you're always sort of battling with those. And I didn't want to be one of those books that was appearing in the wrong category. So having listed in two categories and then ranked in them, I changed my mind and moved out of those categories. That was just in the US. And what I needed to do is I'd just written to Amazon and said, can you just remove those two categories? And it had just basically started to rank less well in two other categories. I, I must have had at least seven categories in there and it had just you know, filled in the the gap, basically, where I'd removed those two categories. And it wasn't ranking so well in those. And so I thought, well, you, having the Kalytics report now, I'll go through the categories and, and, and put it in two or three new categories where hopefully it will rank better. In the US, it's fine in the UK. It was the US that I needed to do. So I went through Kalytics last week. I always do the same thing in Kalytics. I look at the keywords and I look at the new categories. I'm looking for categories that I could list in that um, have high demand and uh, sort of low supply, if you want. That's generally what I'm looking for. And vigilante justice, frankly, is the category that works best for me and has done for a couple of years now. And I learned that off uh, Adam Nichol, actually, just looking at where his books were listed it was Adam who found that before I researched it. But I also have obviously some other categories in there as well. Female protagonists I've started to list my female protagonist books in too. And you get, uh, I think it's women's sleuths, I think is the other one. So there's all these little categories that work extremely well and just get your book into the right place. Now, to work out the categories, this is a little tip for you and a reminder if you've forgotten this. What you can't tell is how many categories of which category your book is listed in unless you keep good notes which I don't I'm afraid just yet um, or unless you use a tool you can't just tell looking at the Amazon page so what I did is I used readerlinks.com to check the categories and all you do with readerlinks.com is you put your ASIN number in and it tells you with the whole root path the categories that your book is listed in. So you can see for instance, whether you've listed in your full 10 categories, uh, you can see whether you've got any spare categories left and whether you want to remove a few categories and and tweak them a little bit. So readerlinks.com It's free. It has got some paid services, but you can use that feature for free. And interestingly, since the last time I looked at Readlinks, it doesn't let you use the UK now. You can't do it for UK books. It was a little bit frustrating for those of us who who live in the UK. But it's got a little explanation link there, telling you why they can't do the UK at the moment. So I basically found three new categories for my 12-pack. I contacted Amazon. Amazon very quick. They've added the categories, and off we go. So that's great. Uh, And that just—I just wanted to set up that US 12 pack because I'm getting ready for submitting it to BookBub again I'll talk to you about BookBub in a moment or two Interestingly, this week I got an email from Ingram Spark, and um, you know, in a small way, I'm doing all right with Ingram Spark at the moment. In, in the, you know, I'm not making a lot of sales, but I'm making more paperback sales. This is on Amazon and on Ingram Spark. Actually, I make more paperback sales than I ever thought I would. Now, this is not a high number of paperback sales, but it's a paperback. It's a number of paperback sales. You look at it, you think. Well, that's worth having. I don't mind doing that. Now, I don't make any money on paperback sales. I do it really as a service to readers. I understand that readers want to read paperbacks. I also use Ingram Spark, um, and this comes into my PR call um, because when I was being interviewed for the PR call this week, I was asked, Can, can, can you get the books in bookshops? And I could say, Yes, they're listed on Ingram Spark. Therefore, if you go to a bookshop, you won't find it on the shelf in a bookshop. But if you ask the people to look at it on their computer uh, search database, it will come up in their search databases. So someone can go to a bookshop, ask for my books, and get the Ingram Spark paperbacks. So that's why I list on Ingram Spark. But they sent me this week a, a price tweak alert. Basically, I think there was some change in something or other and it meant that my prices on ingram spark in australia for a couple of my books were running at a loss if i sold a book i'd owe them ten pence and this just shows you how fine the margins are on ingram spark the way i set this up on ingram spark and i say I, I this to me it's just a complete loss leader i make say i make no money i make negligible money from ingram spark i am in profit I, I do but but when you list on ingram spark generally they want to or the retailers want to get a discount so I I list them at a 55% discount which I think is the highest you could go I don't let them pulp them that's one thing I don't let them do they can't send them back to pulp because I could make a loss on it. I'm not prepared to do that and I set the prices so I make about 80p or a pound on a paperback but you've got to price them up front so high and I just think this is ridiculous we're going through this contortion of me charging 10 pound for a book which they could then get for 55% discount because they've got to see that they've got a discount and I might as well just flog the book like I do on Amazon for six pound or whatever it is and we all make our little cut on it and off we go but because we have to go through these contortions where everybody takes their cut you have to price it up front at a really high price then discount it down to compensate you 80p or a quid whatever you can make off the book this is why I say it's barely worth my while but I do make profits off those books I do obviously monitor the prices when I get those alerts and I am making a couple of quid every month, about 20 quid a month off those Ingram Sparks, Uh, nothing to write home about. But when you add it to all the other little bits of income that you get, it all goes to make up your author income and your author business. And as I say, I I was looking, I had calls to look at my annual figures this week so I could give the the PR company a, a, a number, an idea of the number of books I'm selling. And I'm selling through Amazon more paperbacks than I ever thought I was. I never even look at paperbacks because there's no money in it really for me. But I am selling paperbacks. So that's just, you know, a by the by an interesting point. And I would recommend to you that if you do list paperbacks to put them on Amazon and also to distribute them through Ingram Spark. another little tip here is if you join the Alliance of Independent Authors, Every year, they update their code that you get as a member in the Alliance of Independent Authors, and you get a code that you can use when you list on Ingram Spark. Which means every book you list on Ingram Spark, you can list for free. It's quite a heavy charge if you pay for it, and you could do updates for free. It's something like these figures aren't up to date, but it's something like. £45 to list a book and something like £25 for updates don't quote me on that because I haven't checked it but it's in that ballpark and so why I recommend joining the Alliance of Independent Authors you know above beyond the fact that it, I think everybody who is a self-published author should join the Alliance of Independent Authors because it's our kind of industry watchdog they support everything that we're doing and there's all sorts of resources advice and all sorts there so put all that aside that great value I actually more than make up the price of my Alliance of Independent Authors uh, membership simply by listing my books on Ingram Spark. So you've only got to list a book or two on Ingram Spark and you've made your membership back. So I actually make money on my membership. I mean, I listed so many books. Was it last year? I mean, if I'd have paid for it, it must have been about £400 worth of books and revisions if I'd have paid for that on Ingram Spark. And I got it all free because I use that code that I get as a member of the Alliance of Independent Authors. So, again, I'm here to pass on tips and tricks to you. Number one, I would recommend that you get your books listed on Ingram Spark as well as Amazon in paperback format. Number two, by joining the Alliance of Independent Authors, you can quite happily make as many tweaks, updates, and uploads as you want to, to Ingram Spark and they won't cost you a penny and believe me it's pretty expensive if you have to pay for those one by one by one. I've been working a lot in vellum this week I told you already that I uploaded the files for my non-fiction book but I've been going through all my other files and basically the jobs have been to remove all evidence of social media to change the website that I asked people to go to, to paulteague.net. That's now the mothership of my business, as I explained to you last week. And then in the grid and the secret bunker, when I wrote those books, I had secret pages that uh, I had links within the books to get secrets of of the books. And I've just decided to simplify. I know from my stats that I don't get a massive amount of traffic on those. The pages, I moved the pages over to paulteague.net and I set up redirections so that any legacy Web traffic will continue to, to go to the correct pages but my strategy now is I just want to reduce the number of URLs that I have in my business so I want to have paulte.net which is the mothership of my business and I basically want to have selfpublishingjourneys.com which is my podcast and everything else I'm happy to get rid of I'm one of these people who's, who's gathered too many URLs web addresses over the years and I just want to get rid of those they're they're quite an ongoing expense about two or three hundred pounds a year when I was when I've been going through this year and I said to you that I've got all my expenses uh, you know all set aside for the next year it forced me to go through and look at every expense that I have And I looked at the number of uh, domain names that I got that I was renewing every year and it was about 300 pounds a year and I wasn't really sweating those domain names uh, it was almost like a vanity element and I just decided to boil the thing right down and everything either comes to the blog site or it comes to the net site so um, a lot of those uh, domain names they they last for another nine months six months whatever it is I've set up redirections so that if anybody does click those links in the old books they'll they'll go to the right place. But over time, I want to wind them down, even though the content is still there, you get to diminishing returns, you might get from an old book, somebody who picks up an old book and says to you, oh, I clicked on the link and it didn't work. Well, I've still got the content there. I can still send them to it. But that's the small penalty that you pay with that when you remove old domain names. But really, there's just one simple CTA call to action in the books. And that is to go to paulteague.net. And then if I do decide to move back into social media in a big way, um, you know, if I decide to give away a free book or anything, by sending people to paulteague.net, I can just then change my my mothership my main portal I can add the social media links on there if I've got a free book I can just put a little flying widget that comes in with the, the book promo it just makes things so much simpler for me if I just have one place that I always send people to which is paulte.net and I change that rather than having to change the back matter of the books every time and this is one of those lessons I've learned two two big lessons number one as, I, as I've told you many a time with my non-fiction is don't have pictures, don't have how to step by steps because they date so quickly. The other thing I can tell you is Venom is extremely easy to use. It's very easy to change the back matter in your books. But again, it's much easier to just have, I think, one web address. Paulteague.net, and when you go to the web address that prompts you to sign in for my email list and it also if I've got social media encourages you into my social media channels but rather than overwhelm people with many links some of which may disappear over time I'm just going to stick to the one link and that website is where will be the portal for my marketing and this reflects uh, what people like Joanna Penn say uh, you know that you you want to build up that kind of website. That's the bit that you own. Over time, you want people coming to your website, not to your Facebook page, not to your Twitter page, because if they go to the social media channels, Facebook might end up in three years' time like MySpace. And you, you know you know how quiet MySpace is now. Um, it's like going on a holiday by yourself, you know, with no company. it's There's nothing there, is it? It's just empty. Um, so you don't want to risk that. So you should always put your effort in, uh, into your own website the thing that you own and of course that is the message that i preach in my author platform book which promises to show you how to create an author platform without using social media if you want it and of course the whole point of this and, and this has refreshed my memory it's been actually quite interesting for me to write that book is it's all about search engine optimization seo What I want you to do is when you put Paul Teague or Paul Teague author into the search engines, I want all my links, my books to come up in the search engine. This is what we're trying to achieve in this. We we want to be findable, very easily findable. And in that author platform book, that's what I'm telling you how to do. Now, I do give you some tips on how social media can help you to do that as well. But there are a couple of things that I tell you to do in that book. Uh, that uh, would mean that you could do what I'm doing at the moment, where I'm not doing Twitter, I'm not doing Facebook, but you will if you put Paul Teag Author into the search engines, you'll see all my links in there. Uh, you won't have any trouble finding me, even though I'm not really proactive on social media at the moment, and say that's the focus of my book, and it's made me think about the back matter of my books, thinking that, yeah, the mothership is the website that's where you need to send everybody to and from there you can send them wherever you want to but the mothership is your website and that's the sort of one concept I'd want you to grasp um, from that because I think it's really important it's the bit you own you own your own real estate on the web uh, with your own website I had my PR call this week. I had to shuffle it around, actually. It was supposed to be on Tuesday. I had to bump it to Wednesday because we were doing Spanish stuff, which I'll talk to you about right at the end of this podcast. I'll bring you up to date with what's going on there. But I'm trying to wait the podcast you get all the writing stuff at the beginning and then you could disappear if you don't want to hear the Spain and the running stuff at the end that's what I'm trying to do with it now so uh, yeah I had this PR call and just to refresh your memory this is a, a mate from uh, the local papers who says up his own PR business he's doing fixed price PR packages I looked at the price and thought you know while I'm while I'm flush with things I'm going to try that um, while I'm not having to count every single penny uh, you know like I have been doing in the past in the business I'll try that let's see what whether it works. you know, If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. There'll still be some great content out there about my books. So um, the, the call was on Wednesday. It took about an hour. Uh, I think that was longer than it was supposed to, but um, the lady who was chatting to me, I think, was quite interested in, in, in how I was doing things. Uh, she was amazed at how many books that you could sell uh, you know as a self-published author, and nobody really know who you are. I think she was amazed at how many countries I sell in, which is 116 now, according to Kobo. It's got I've got that's what the map tells me. I've sold in 116 countries, and it was really just a chat about uh, you know where I got the inspiration from for the books, and about really about my connections with Morecambe and the Bay Area, and I was just telling tales about how we worked in. in the one of the, the main location in one of those books so it was just a you know chit chat and shield the, the poor old researcher journalist is going to have to turn that into some kind of a story and I also incidentally refreshed my press resources page I've always had a press resources page it was on the secret bunker I had it done years ago right? I say had it done I made it years ago and I've moved that over to paultig.net now Uh, So I have a press resources page and I just updated a bit. There are some, um, when I left the BBC, which is, oh, is it 10 years ago? These photos are about 10 years old and I I look considerably younger and less grey and i thought you know i'm really i'm going to have to stop using those photos now because because uh, you know it's a decade out of date so i got rid of those old photos now and i've got some more recent ones that were taken uh, by press photographers at the secret bunker and they gave me copyright permission to use them and i've also uh, my wife when well, we've been doing research around morcombe for these books has taken author pictures of me so I, i've created a, a press page uh, where you could download all those photographs and they're copyright free but some of them have a a photograph uh, for photographers credit on them um, but if you want to have a look at that go to paultig.net and have a look at I'm just trying to remember where it is I think it's on the contact link there if you just go and look at the the sub menu you will see my press resources page if I remember I'll pop it in the show notes to save you hunting uh, but this is you could just send that then to the newspaper and say look help yourself to those pictures I've also got an, an updated about Paul Teague page and this is why I was checking my numbers how many Books I've sold so that I could just give them some nice little headlines. Um, so I've put the sentence in there. In 2020 I sold over a hundred thousand copies on Amazon alone, with many more readers buying my books via Amazon Books, Google Books, Barnes and Noble and Kobo. My stories have been sold in over hundred and ten countries. It's actually 116, but I just said over 110 for simplicity, in case that number changes. With the majority bought in the UK the US Canada and Australia so I was just checking those figures the other thing is that I'm now a member an authorpreneur member of the alliance of independent authors and to become an authorpreneur member you have to show the proof um, that you've made actually it's it's fewer sales than I've made but you have to show them what's the wording um authorpreneurs earn their living from self-publishing an associated business this membership is assessed so you have to show proof of this you will need to show evidence of 50,000 book sales in the past two years uh, which actually I've done more than that in in one year and or KU or business equivalent well in the last year so from January to December of last year I sold over 50,000 Amazon books and I had 12.5 million page reads in Kindle Unlimited so if you say a, a book a reasonable size book is 250 pages per book which is pretty well what mine are that's another 50,000 books equivalent so um, that's roughly what my numbers are at the moment in terms of sales that's not free books if you put free books in there which Amazon they all do count as inverted commas sales they do call them best sellers if they got to number one in the, in the free books I haven't even counted uh, free books in there so as not to muddy the waters uh, because I could I could claim and verify those stats um, with actual sales um, but I had to verify them uh, to become an authorpreneur member of the Alliance of Independent Authors so I've kind of put that at the bottom of the page just to say you know I haven't made these figures up or or plucked them out of thin air these are verified figures by the Alliance of Independent Authors so yeah I, I don't know what's going to happen with the PR call I haven't got the sort of press release back yet I'm just going to check my emails no it's not back just yet so I'll wait to see what story they they turn that into and what photographs they're going to use and the joy of this is usually when you talk to the press they usually say something that isn't quite right And you think oh you know it makes you wince a little bit and, and I know how this is when you're a journalist you've got to tell a story so you know you use more flowery language and you you tell a tale basically but when you read it back you say no I might, maybe wouldn't have put it like that uh, I get editorial control of this one so I, I get the final say on it so I will get um a sort of proof edition I can change stuff if I'm not happy with it but I think the the bay on television has got about two more weeks to run on the telly so I, I won't hold it up I want to get it out there as fast as we can and just capitalize on that interest around the bay on tv This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of Vellum, the best way to format your publications in Mobi, EPUB or paperback format. When you buy Vellum through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort producing this podcast. All of my books are produced in Vellum, and I even have a simple guide to using Vellum on a PC over at my blog. Just head for paulteague.net forward slash use and download your free PDF how-to guide. So, to check out the best formatting software on the planet, head over to paulteague.net/vellum. This week, I've been relisting my science fiction books wide. So, on the 9th of February, they came out of KDP Select. I was almost tempted for a while, having spoken to Kirsten Oliphant, had my consultancy. I was almost tempted to leave them in for another three months and use some of these new tricks with Facebook, but I've decided not to do that. I've decided to put them wide again and to submit them for BookBub promos again when they're wide, try and squeeze another couple of BookBubs out of them and then maybe consider putting them back into KDP Select again. Um, but um, yeah, relisting them wide is, is generally fairly straightforward in that I just waited for the clock to tick over with Amazon. Actually, I nearly missed it. I, I had submitted a, I think it was the Grid 2, to draft the digital All those files were just sitting there unpublished. draft the digital is really interesting, really easy. You just resubmit them and republish them again. You don't have to do anything else. And um, But I got an email back from draft the digital saying, um, we can't list this one because it's still in KDP Select. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I thought I'd got rid of all of those in KDP Select. I went to Amazon and found out that I hadn't deselected the grid. I thought I'd done all of those and I hadn't. Um, so I just caught it. So in UK time, you know, if it's midday on Monday, Amazon's clock is is about, I think it's about 12 hours ahead of ours, something like that. So it buys you that extra time. And I just caught it at the nick of time. Otherwise those books would have gone into KDP Select for another three months that have been committed for another three months or had to go cap in hand and beg them to take them out and say it was a mistake. So I, that was really lucky. So yeah, Kobo's dead easy to republish. Uh, Draft the Digital is really easy to republish but I've had some problems with Google now Google in the past has been an absolute breeze to publish and I really want to go direct to Google now because they're doing so many things to build and develop the platform but um, I'm, ha- I'm having some problems with some books and actually I was working on this last thing last night when I was tired and I was having problems and I thought, oh, it's too late in the day now. I, I, I can't be bo- bothered to problem solve at the end of a day. I'll come back to that fresh and, and work out what it is. I have a feeling it's to do with me publishing them originally through Drive, and possibly having them connected to the wrong publishing company. It's something to do with that. Anyhow, i got to figure it out. I've got to work out what's going on but I am having just some problems with my Google Books. I will work through those. The other thing that I've been doing this week is is having republished those books, I'm going back to my Vellum files. And if you recall from last week, I told you that I have a, a Kindle version of Vellum files that has the Genius Link links in it. So they go to whichever country you are on Amazon. And then I have a separate Vellum file for the book, which goes to books to read. And the books to read links go to Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Google and Apple Books and I was just going through the as as well as taking the links to secret content and all the social media links out of those um, vellum files I was also checking that my uh, sort of listings were correct that it it went to the right book links if you bought it on Kobo it would go to the right Kobo page and things like that and making sure the pages were all live so there's a lot of administrative work involved in that and when those are all live I'll have to go through it with a fine tooth comb again and think about my pricing policy and also to make sure that my prices are consistent so that I don't get Amazon complaining to me saying that my books are available cheaper elsewhere so you, ha- you also have to watch that so I will have to go through my pricing at some point and work out uh, what my pricing strategy is going to be with those books but also to make sure that they're consistent across the channels Um the other thing I've been listening to the six-figure authors Um they um, last week's episode by the way I, I've been listening to it in bed when I've been drifting in and out and I keep falling asleep it's only because it's like four o'clock in the morning not because it's boring it's because I'm tired and um, there's they've had a brilliant interview not this week's was also extremely interesting it's a brilliant podcast for it's a brilliant podcast but the week before they had a lady on I can't even remember her name I think she's a seven-figure author and I've, I've tried to listen to this podcast without falling asleep for two nights now and I, I I'm there just drifting in and out thinking this this woman is is amazing she's a, a power you know a, a the force she's an absolute force of nature this one she's just amazing the things she's doing so um, it's not this week's episode though please listen to this week's episode because they're discussing marketing tricks which didn't work for them listen to the week before at the time I'm recording this which is the 13th of February 2021 and I can't remember a name but it's a really interesting episode I'll get to listen to the whole thing eventually I keep re-downloading it onto my phone so I can listen to it while I'm wide awake um but one of the other things i I keep hearing Lindsay Barocca talk about is how she finds that listing the first book in series free has worked for her and continues to work for her so I'm just toying with the idea now of making uh, Secret bunker one and the grid perma free again which is it's funny how these things come round about that's used that's what I used to do in the old days um so I you know, I'm just listening to Lindsay there. I don't really take a lot of time marketing those books. I, I, I don't do a lot with them. I'm more interested in my thrillers, which is where I make my money. And to be honest with you, my attention's spread too thinly really, really to, to properly market my nonfiction and my sci-fi. I'm quite happy for those who just sit in the background and make whatever sales they do and and, and respond to whatever cack-handed, half-hearted uh, marketing that I do on them because my main focus is on my thrillers that's that's where my my money is so that feels like it's a better way to leave them so my strategy with my non-fiction is that they're keyworded people look for start a podcast or author platform and my books pop up so we have a keyword strategy for non-fiction that's organic uh, it doesn't involve me having to advertise them and then also with my sci-fi I maybe have a first in series free and so you then hopefully go on to read the other books. As, and then I also promote them perhaps through BookFunnel every now and then as well. Uh, and then I actually pay and pay attention to my thrillers because that's where the money is. That's kind of where I'm going with this. So yeah, the, the, I'm still working on the sci-fis and I got to work through those Google problems. But I say I want to. it's one of those picking through a knot and trying to figure out what the problem is. I just want to make sure I've got, uh, it's a first thing in the morning job, not That not not a last thing at night kind of job. I've got a couple of uh, Kobo promos this is one of the things I love about Kobo I just I just wish I could sell more books on Kobo but they have these lovely promotions that they offer you through the promotions tab I've got uh, one of my books going this weekend uh, it's the Kobo long weekend sale in Canada and the US it's a promotion from the 12th so it started yesterday and it runs to the 16th of February and that I think is a 40% discount if I remember rightly and I've put that on one of my non-fiction books and This week I got accepted for a second Kobo promo which is how to start a podcast so this is called the February VIP 40% off sale promotion and that one runs from the 21st of February to the 26th of February and that basically means that uh, you know Kobo take a percentage off the sale proceeds I don't pay for those Um, but they have a variety of things they have the options to pay three pounds six pound there is I think the most expense is about 50 pound and a lot of them they just take a percentage of the sale proceeds and I, I tend to go for the percentage of the sale proceeds once but you know they bring in a few pounds it's it's like every, every little bit helps so if you are on Kobo do make sure you check that promotions tab I, I just have a policy when I'm listed wide of just putting my books into anything that I can and you get rejected from a few, but it's not like BookBub, you get accepted, it feels like I get accepted for as many as I get rejected for on Kobo, it's not like BookBub, where it's many many rejections, about nine rejections to to one acceptance, Um, Kobo really good at helping you to promote your books. I was supposed to submit my 12 pack of thrillers to BookBub this morning, it's had its month since I last submitted it but when I was going into BookBub to make the submission I thought oh, hang on I've missed a trick here of course my Morecambe Bay six pack was released a couple of weeks ago and uh, it had some pre-sales on it but we had there's six books in there, so there there aren't any reviews on it yet. Uh, and it's foot fu- it's at full price, which I think is six dollars ninety nine five ninety nine in the UK. And I just thought, hang on, I missed a trick here. This is I need to be putting this in for a book bub first because it's in KDP Select, so I get the reads. It's great value at 99 pence or cents. Um so what I've done is I've hopped the six pack, which I wish I'd done a week or two after I'd released it actually now. So I've submitted the Walker Bay six pack, uh books one to six in there. It's great value at ninety nine pence and cents. uh It's only in KDP Select, so I don't expect it to be accepted because it doesn't have any reviews on it yet. But you never know. And as soon as that gets rejected, if it does get rejected, I'll then submit the twelve pack of thrillers, which I also expect to get rejected because it's in KDP Select uh, and, and they don't seem to like it for some reason. But anyhow, I'll you know we we'll keep trying. We we'll keep trying with BookBub. Don't be disheartened by BookBub. Just keep trying. Some you win some you lose. And I, you know, I would put it at something like, you know, you fail nine, you get one roughly with BookBub. That's pretty well my experience with it. And I've been doing it long enough to know that you don't take it personally with BookBub. You just keep, I, every time I get rejected, I put it in the diary for, uh, for you know, another month. You, you've got to wait a month until you resubmit. And then when the month comes up, I just resubmit again. It only takes a few minutes. So if you get knocked back, it doesn't really matter. I've got one more release on the 22nd of February that is of course my welcome to welcome bait 2 trilogy box set so that goes out i've got to have that ready for Thursday the 18th of February now that file is already sitting there it's already done uh, i'll just give it a last last minute check but i have to have it the last version of that book in on Thursday the 18th of February which is this coming Thursday and then it's released on Monday the 22nd of February and so that will then be my my February release that'll be the end of my five months worth of releases of my Walker Bay 2 thrillers and then the month after although this doesn't count because it's a different author name I'll have another book coming out on March 23rd so I'll have kept up six months of releases and then there's going to be a break for a while for half a year because I don't think I'll be writing anything until I get this final Walker Bay trilogy done and talking about the Walker Bay trilogy something um well, great happened actually today, but it was I think I don't know whether serendipitous is the word. Um, but it's like that. I was just looking at Twitter, as you do, and when I was researching the Walker Bay Trilogy 2, it's about people going missing. And I as part of that research, I connected to a I think it's called a missing persons site on Twitter, I think that's what they call it, missing persons. And I get all these uh, tweets coming up about people who've gone missing and it, it fascinates me I told you before that I reported on this in the 1990s for the BBC I did a project called The Search, and I went to interview two people who got missing members of the family and uh, it made a real impact on me so you know it's over 20 years and, and that's why I wanted to write um, this story about the, the what happens when people go missing and how it leaves people's lives in, in just complete limbo well Uh, Something came up on my Twitter feed today from this missing persons site. And it was actually, I recognised the story. It was about a chap who'd been missing for 25 years. Well, that, of course, is the right time frame for when I was at the BBC in Humberside. And it mentioned that he'd gone missing from Merseyside. And I I looked at it. I didn't recognise the name. It was too long ago. I couldn't remember the name. But I did a little bit of digging. And I was looking for the Hull connection. I thought, let's just read up on this. I took the gentleman's name. I did a search online. I found some newspaper articles about it. And sure as heck, uh, his mum is from Hull. It was the chap that uh, inspired the my books to be about missing people so this gentleman has been missing for 25 years now 1995-96 was when he went missing and and I must have I was trying to time it I think I left BBC Radio Humberside in the year 2000 so I probably covered that about 1997-1998 because he'd been missing for some time when I did the story um, but of course, I'd forgotten all those details, and there's, there was no legacy left of it online. If you do a, a search for the content I did for the BBC, it's all since been erased by the BBC, unfortunately. So I couldn't find any evidence of it. But uh, having got the gentleman's name now, I was able to find newspaper articles about the story, and it, it was him. So um, if you're interested in that, if you're interested to see that original story, 25 years ago now that inspired me to write or to use that as a theme I'll put the links a couple of links to well the the tweet that I saw but also a really interesting newspaper article so that you can see uh, you know what a why that story made an impact on me all those years ago and why it still makes an impact you know it's still one of those stories that stays with me and 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 bothers me but it bothers me about how people could could disappear like that there's a program on channel 4 where people try and evade capture and and it just shows how hard it is they all they can't resist contacting their family they use phones they use cards and things like that and it's and they're always being found you know they're useless at hiding so it's actually very difficult to disappear but also it's very difficult not you know if, if 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 there's malevolence involved you know murder the cameras usually catch you um, so there's usually something that comes back to get you so it's, it's I think it's extraordinary in this day and age that people can can disappear now 25 years ago clearly it was a lot easier to disappear than it is nowadays with all the digital devices and tracking devices that we have but it still takes it's extraordinary to be able to disappear it's extraordinary to stay disappeared if you if you leave your family and you go and it, it just fascinates me as, as a as a sort of story material and so anyhow, I'll put the links on the show notes if you want to find out more about that sort of story that inspired the Walker Bay Two trilogy. Uh, you'll be have, able to have a read of it. I'll put some of those links in for you. I discovered a new resource this week, which I want to let you know about. Can't remember where I heard it. Can't remember whose podcast it was. So apologies for not crediting the podcast. But uh, the software, I think it was. Uh, Wish I knew then. I think it. Yeah. I think it was. Wish I knew then. Which is another great podcast that I'm listening to. I, I love the ladies who who present that. They do a I I love the um, chats chat that they have between themselves. But the podcast is Wish I Wish I'd Known Then. Wish I'd Known Then. And I'm sure it was on one of those episodes. But the resource is called Scribecount. Scribecount.com. I'll put the link on the resources page. And I tried it this week. It's in uh, beta, they're testing it and sorting things out. But basically what ScribeCount does is it brings all your data from multiple sources so that you can see how much you're earning on Apple, Barnes Noble, Google, Amazon and Apple Books. It brings all those feeds in for you in one simple interface. Absolutely fascinating. I've never seen all that data presented in such a great way. Now, I took a 14-day trial of it. I will warn you that it's quite expensive on a monthly basis. It's free if you're earning less than $500 a month. So so for many of you, that will be fine and very, very useful. But um, I, I thought it was a little bit steep. Uh, if you're earning, I can't remember what the, the top level is. I looked at that and thought, I'd have to think about the benefit of that. It's the sort of thing that I would be more inclined to get for a month and get a snapshot of where I was doing, maybe every half year or every year, rather than constantly have it. Um, but it, maybe it's just me. I, I usually have to think about it if it's quite a long, if it's quite a big price for subscription. I'm not a big fan of ongoing subscriptions. But any, but I can tell you the site is brilliant and it's well worth having a look at. Now I think it needs some calibration because I was looking at my all time earnings, and it tells me that my all time earnings are a quarter of a million dollars. And I looked at that and I thought, blimey, I, I didn't realise that. And then I, I dug in a little bit and I saw that the interface is telling me that I've earned $111,000 in India. Now, let's put it this way. If I've earned over $111,000 in India, then Amazon hasn't been paying me for those sales. And there's a glitch somewhere in the matrix. But I sent them a support note and just said, look, that doesn't feel right to me as a number I'm sh- absolutely sure that's not right um, you might just want to check your I think it looks like it's a conversion issue so to me it looks like there's a disable point in the wrong place that's what I would suspect and um, so I've asked them to just check that but I know they're having those kind of calibration teething problems which is why they're keeping it free so with that said though I would dive in if you list wide if you've got any books listed wide or if you've ever been listed wide I tend to float in and out of it fascinating data a really really good site and it's free up to $500 per month and I, I wish the well with that service because it's it's long overdue isn't it to have a very simple interface just to be able to look at all of those channels I registered for a written word media webinar this week on on Apple Books. It was talking about listing directly on Apple's. Just like Google, Apple are making a lot of effort now to work directly with authors and have promotions and just do more for authors. Now... If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know what I think about Apple. I am not a fan of Apple, Apple's infrastructure or Apple products, and I won't go on a rant just now, but there are very good technical reasons for that. I don't I don't really like locked-in systems, um, the sort of locked-in system that Apple has created. I prefer open systems, and, and a lot of Google stuff is open source, and that, that just suits my kind of uh, techie philosophy more. I don't like closed systems where, you, where you're locked in so uh, and that's just a, that's a principal thing with technology so uh, I I missed the webinar because it was on late I say late at night it wasn't late at night but I was tired and I, I went to watch some telly um, we've got a new bad habit that I must tell you by the way I must share I, I meant to mention this our terrible habit now is watching it's a tv series in the UK called a place in the sun where Brits go abroad with house hunters and they say, oh, I want to live on the Costa Blanca and i got so much to, for a house. And they, 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 these property experts go up and down the coast and they show them different houses. And I've, I've basically gone through Channel 4, which is a UK TV station. I've got through all the archives of the areas that we like to stay in. So Torrevieca and Benidorm and Alicante, all the areas up and down the Costa Blanca that we know and I've got them all on a big email and we're working through them one by one and we love looking at these Place in the Sun episodes now and they go back years um, trying to recognize where the houses are and also every now and then we, we learn a little tourism thing that we didn't know about and think oh we'll go and visit that we'll go and have a look at that because they obviously show you the area and um, we're dying to be able to get out and travel again because um, there's a couple of areas there that we want to go and take a look at but this is our new obsession anyhow I'm explaining to you why I didn't sit on the live web, and I assumed that they would send me a replay, and they didn't, unfortunately. But they did send me a resources page. So I went through the resources page, and I went to Apple, and I I, I kind of logged in. Even the even even logging into Apple with your Apple ID is a pain. Everything's a pain with Apple. I'm sorry if you love Apple, but this is just how I feel about it. I went around in circles a few times. I tried a few things, had a look at it, and thought, Do you know what? Life's too short. I really I just don't like Apple. I I, I think it's about the way your, your brain is wired. I think Apples are, are wired for people who think a certain way. And, and Microsoft is is geared to people who, who think a different way. And there's neither is right, neither is wrong um it it might be a left side right side kind of thing that that that's my conclusion with it I just don't get on with Apple at all or the way they think or the way they present anything to me it's just like completely illogical and and, and I hate it when when I have to go on to my my wife's my wife uses my old Apple uh, Mac uh, MacBook is it called which is years old now. I bought it in about the second year of my business because everybody was saying apples are great. I think I struggled with it for six months, hated it, and gave it to my wife who loves it. And every time I have to do anything on that Apple, I'm cursing, I hate it. It doesn't work the way I want it to or expect it to. I just don't get on with Apple products at all. Anyhow, that's a long way round and slightly ranty of telling you that I'm not going to list directly on Apple. Life's too short. I'm just going to go through draft the Digital. Um, I do all right on drafted Digital. I, I think I've had. I think I've had. I'm always wary of sort of saying something that's not true, but I'm fairly sure that I've had some number ones in Apple, not only for free but for sold. I think that's right, fairly sure that's right so i do and I do that through draft 2 digital, not not through going direct, so I think I'm going to stick to draft 2 digital and if there's ever a point at which Apple really becomes a you know an ongoing and massive part of my business, then I guess I'll just have to bite the bullet but i just i really- I just don't get on with it I'm sorry. Um, it just you know I'm reasonably good at tech and it it just amuses me I can't find what I want it's not in a logical place just nothing's logical so but I I think that's right side left side of brains Um, but ranting aside why I'm telling you this is that written word media are running a series of webinars on apple books at the moment and if that's of interest to you I would suggest that you head over to written word media they're the people who do free booksy and bargain booksy promos I love them Uh, those are great promos and they're doing some brilliant blog content and I'm really see, pleased to that they're also doing webinar content as well. So do check those webinars out if you want to catch one of those. This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the Alliance of Independent Authors, the professional business membership organisation for self-published authors i found that I usually cover the cost of membership by using the special codes given out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership is easily paid for. However, Ally is much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best essential professional membership service for all indie authors, head over to paulteague.net forward slash Ally. That's A-L-L-I. We'll finish this week with my general news then, general life stuff. And we were going to hire a car from Monday the 15th but the restrictions have been renewed in Spain they still afford us considerable freedom but the restaurants are all closed at the moment even the the open terraces are closed it looks like if they start to ease things they'll open the the terraces first which is great because almost almost day-to-day life would go on as normal when they do that and there's no uh, restrictions in terms of movement but there is at the weekend so for instance I think it's from three or six o'clock on a Friday until 6 a.m on a Monday there's no travel outside the 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 city boundary so we decided last weekend not to hire the car there doesn't seem a lot of point at the moment until we can make the most of it the other thing is is that when you're out if you need to use the lure or anything like that there's there's nothing open you can't go anywhere everything's shut so we just decided to park that for a bit I cancelled the car higher and hopefully before we leave Spain things will open again and we'll be able to hire the car and we can have a couple of weeks nipping up and down the coastline on the beaches and things like that Uh, but so uh, that that will hopefully mean I get a bit more work done over the next couple of weeks because they would would have been a write-off the next 10 to 14 days if I'd had that car but as I say um, we've got the restrictions here renewed until the 1st of March And then hopefully, fingers crossed, I've noticed that in some of the areas in Spain, as the figures get better, they just relax things a little bit. Um, We have curfews here from 10 at night until 6 in the morning. Again, most of this stuff doesn't affect us. Um, you're, you're limited to going out as a couple or a, you know a sort of a family group if you've got kids um, obviously we're always going out as a couple so that doesn't affect us so, so really day-to-day we're not massively aware of it other than the fact that the uh, the restaurants the terraces are closed we, we weren't going inside restaurants anyway we were only sitting outside we're in properly ventilated um, areas so if we get that last thing back then it will feel relatively uh, normal here but that won't be reviewed as I say until the first of March. This week, I hit 300 games of Scrabble with my mum it was yesterday actually was our 300th game of Scrabble we've been playing since about the 23rd of March when the UK went on lockdown last year my mum is due to get her final vaccination on the 30th of March I think it is and then I think in a very very small way she'll start to see one or two of her friends who've also been vaccinated and who are also living quieter lives so she'll be able to get some element of normality back um, I, I say it's 300 games of Scrabble. Of course, it's not just about Scrabble. It's about having a chat and keeping up with mum. And I, I have to say, good two two things I'm really delighted with is I now have my mum ordering her own prescriptions online, so they get delivered in the post. She doesn't have to queue up at the the pharmacy. I'm so pleased about that one. And the other thing is, is I've now got my mum um, ordering her shopping online, so she's she's got into internet shopping. And uh, this, as she gets older, I've said to her, you can all your tins and your heavy stuff your washing powders and things like that and, and have somebody bring those to the door and then you could just nip out to your local Tesco and choose your own fruit and just get bits and pieces that aren't so heavy and that to me is a great compromise but it means basically that she can do everything that she needs to without ever leaving her house which I'm delighted about we're going to have a kind of lockdown valentine's day on sunday the 14th this is our 37th valentine's day together i calculated which horrifies me Uh, the first valentine's day meal we ever had was when we'd known each other for about two months and i cooked chicken propica and my uh was it a prawn cocktail um, in our little college kitchen, and then we ate it in our student rooms, and that was in 1984. So it'll be our 37th Valentine's Day together, uh, first one we've ever spent in lockdown. And we will be ordering. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get because I've just signed up for the Spanish version of Just Eat, which, as you would expect, the menus are in Spanish. So it's going to be a bit of a surprise on Sunday. And it might be if I order the wrong thing the last Valentine's Day we spent together because we're eating Indian. If I get something that's too hot, that, that might be it, it might be game over. So I I'll let you know next week. And then finally, just to bring you right up to date uh, with the Spanish stuff, uh, we this week we're dealing with the solicitors to get our residency sorted out this week, and I think it was on Tuesday, it was on Tuesday, that's why I had to bump the PR interview. On Tuesday, we went to a notary, which I've never done before. And I, I've, I've learned that in Spain, if you want to make life easy for yourself, you bring a translator in. So we brought tra- uh, Sebastian in, a translator who we've got to know really well. And Sebastian came in with us on Tuesday. And basically, the notary had to certify our passports. And what else did they have to certify? Some, oh, it was um, a deed of, um, what's it called? where you give somebody permission to act on your behalf. So it was a uh, not a deed of covenant. You're all screaming at, at the speakers right now. I know you are. Um, it was one of those um, to give the solicitor permission to act on our behalf on residency matters. So we had to get that sort of, you know, witnessed and check the legals and everything. That went off in the post. So I said to Sebastian, we're just round the corner from the post office. Could, I'll keep paying you. Come, come into the post office with me because what I want is the Spanish equivalent of signed for registered next day post I haven't got a clear to ask for that so we did that in the post office as well and then I needed to get some certified copies of my Spanish bank accounts because they need to look at your income and also it proves that we were in Spain in you know before we the UK left the EU so uh, I've got loads of transactions on that account so I had to get a, a certified and stamped statement so on Thursday we went to the Spanish bank our Spanish bank Sebastian came with us again and we got that sorted out and it was hand stamped and I've scanned it with my new printer and that's all gone off. So I've just literally, while I've been talking to you, had an email from the solicitors and I think we're virtually there with paperwork. They'll put that in and then we'll wait and see whether we get a result. But the very act of submitting it means that we can stay here till the end of June. That's the latest. We can stay here for tax purposes and for sort of going through this residency residency process. So um, I'll let you know how we're doing with that. But at the moment, we're looking. I. Think, think if we can at staying till the end of May and then heading back to the UK because we need to be back and settle for when the kids are back so probably end of May but that's got that's only written in pencil at the moment and then the final thing before I finish back and I've just heard that my wife's back from the shops which means she's brought lots of delicious things for me to eat so i have got to go out and investigate the shopping in a moment the very last thing to tell you is that my February challenge is going well we're halfway through the month tomorrow uh, no on Sunday we're halfway through the month on Sunday and on Sunday I will do my seventh run but I've also done lots of uh, more than five kilometer walks as well so currently my score sheet is showing 39 miles that I've done so far in February and that's made up of six runs and I think about four walks so we're well on target to hit uh, the the February running challenge and in the post Uh, yesterday my medal came for the january runs that i've done if you want to have a look at that medal head to paulteague.net navigate to my part run page and you'll see all the pictures i take to show what i'm up to with my running if that interests you at all you can check out the show notes and listen to the back catalogue episodes at paulteague.net forward slash podcast If you want to record a question for me to answer on the show, please head for paulteague.net forward slash question. If you've heard something that's helpful to you in your author business and you'd like to support the show, then you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash paulteague. That's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a great week of writing. From me, Paul Teague, bye-bye for now.